the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Spain, and today, lots to talk about, both uh, local and global tech topics. Welcome, Nathan Mercer. Great to have you joining us on the show. It's, uh, it's, it's been a few years, I think. Yeah, hi, Paul. Yeah, hey, good to, good to talk with you again. You were just talking before, we think it's been about seven years since I've uh, had the pleasure of chatting with you on the podcast, so um, thanks for inviting me back. Yeah, oh, it's a pr- privilege to have you. Um, now you're uh, you're based over in over in Seattle, so uh, you might be able to give us some um, I don't some some viewpoints on uh, an American an American uh, flavoured perspective on one or two of these uh, topics, particularly uh, uh, maybe you know the, New, the the New Zealand ones, how how these things kind of look from afar. Um, but a few yeah, a few big things going on uh, in New Zealand. Some um, controversy around um, artificial intelligence being used to monitor uh, students uh, as they uh, as they take their exams. We've got um, the big big news around where to digital being sold to Unity, uh, about two point three billion New Zealand uh, dollars that equates to. Uh, New Zealand police have been doing some interesting stuff, taking over. Um, basically social media accounts and assuming identities of um you know people that they've they've they're they're holding sort of you know accused of uh accused of, of crimes i guess some sort of you know plea deal sort of works in there you give us access to your account so uh we can we can get in and, and try and maybe uh you know trap some folks or get some evidence and um you know pretend that we're you uh which is uh yeah fascinating and uh and then some some uh, biggest things on the on the international front. So yeah, really interesting week. Um, first up on that uh, on that front of the universities getting, uh, and this has been you know going on for you know for I guess this this window of time with uh, you know with COVID uh, is where it's you know really become pretty strong. Is that our universities are in this position where they want to ensure that there's not cheating going on when it comes to uh, comes to exams, and they can't get people into exam rooms. So, yeah, this stuff is happening online, and the, there's a degree to which they've been varying online online exams for you know, for a number of years. But COVID has you know has really sort of flip the switch on that to where there's a, a, a lot more going on um and i i see yeah a bit of media coverage around this i think uh there there's sort of from a privacy perspective it sounds as though that's that's okay according to uh, a privacy commissioner things that's being handled reasonably well by the universities the question is is it is it kind of a, a fair and appropriate way to operate is um spying on your on your students to uh to try and ensure or encourage you know uh, uh, and avoid yeah or minimize the chance of uh, cheating going on what do you what do you think about this one i think uh i think it's a tough one they're kind of damned if they do damned if they don't really um I guess uh, it's the ob- it's the obvious kind of logical way things were going. It kind of started off with the online plagiarism detection uh, type of software, and on the face of it, you know, um, the monitoring it's it sounds innocuous enough, but um, to see it from those both perspectives, right? If someone has a degree from, and let's let's pick one of the universities, so let's say Auckland University or Otago University, maybe that's something that's really critical. Like uh, I think both unis do, um, you know, medical degrees, right? So you kind of want to know people that have that have gone through and um, you know sat their exams that they that they know their stuff um, by the time they get into the hospital system, into the health system. 
on on the flip side, um, you know, you want uh, want your students to feel uh, feel reasonably right, right. comfortable. And you, want, and you want your degree to be worth something as well, right? You don't want it to be you don't want it to be worthless. I mean, on the face of it, it's, it's a great idea, um, you know, particularly around the things like um, detecting the keyboard strokes to make sure that it's a real person, detecting uh, where your gaze is, detecting whether someone else has come into the room, detecting whether you've walked away from the keyboard. I think where it starts to get a bit icky is when it starts to get into the uh, the equity issues and uh, you know, issues around you know people of colour, um, lighting in the rooms, things like that. Um, starts to get into- uh, if there the, there's not enough lighting in the room, or you know there were issues in the US, uh, according to some of the reporting. Um, with Afri- African Americans, where the you know the AI software, um, you know wasn't wasn't very good from a contrast perspective, and um, so you know then they're having to shine big lights on themselves. It's, it sounds it sounds pretty yeah, messy. Yeah. And then there's there's another aspect of of it as well is it requires the installation of some basically spying software on the computer. So you know it's not just how hey, you log in, you sit this exam through your usual web browser. It's like actually you've got to install this app. And um, I know one one um, uh, one of my organisation's uh, clients wanted to allow a staff member to uh, sit an exam and it was software that just, you know, had, that uh, there wasn't confidence it was going to be safe to go on an organisational laptop. What what was it going to do and so on. So, um, you know, in, in that case it was, well, how do we help out our staff member to get this done? And uh, so they had to use another, um, you know, another another device because they don't want, you know, spyware or, you know, anything uh, that might uh, might be even slightly untoward uh, installed on their device. And, um, yeah, may, may, and sometimes you get these sort of issues where you install a bit of software and then you know, can't fully uninstall it afterwards. Yeah, so, so it's a tough, yeah, just, a tough uh, problem. There's, there's obviously ways to, you know, get around some of those things, maybe, you know, maybe with a hosted solution or a hosted browser or a, or a hosted desktop. But, um, you know, that's not going to work for every single solution, every single exam scenario. So it's a tough, uh, tough problem that they're going to have to keep on innovating with. There's, there's been, you know, issues, issues for years. And if you, um, if you believed uh, programs like Suits, um, you know you believe that uh, people can uh, get get uh, an exam pass without actually having uh, having done uh, exams and so on. So um, yeah, there are they, they, these aren't issues that are just uh, just limited to COVID times. So yeah, there's there's always opportunities for. Cheating and dishonesty, and it's always a, a bit of a balance how you uh, how you operate and uh, and try and try and avoid those challenges. Um, on to the weather news: uh, 1.6 billion US dollars uh, between uh, sort of you know cash and uh, and and shares. This is uh, in the scheme of things, I think a pretty pretty big deal for. Uh, certainly for Unity, who are uh, you know acquiring Weta Digital, and it, you know it just just shows the uh, the the scale, I guess, of um, you know just uh, just how how good Weta um, you know are and uh, what what they've built to be worth that that sort of money for. Uh, you know, which covers the the software and the technologies they've built. Um, over two hundred and seventy five uh, engineers uh, will be going across to uh, to Unity uh, as well. Um, so, seeing um, you know the Weta FX um, you know team uh, going through. So, yeah, it seems like a, a an exciting move, certainly for. Um, you know, for for Peter Jackson, uh, it's huge. Yeah, and uh, 
obviously, like you know, there's always lots of good news stories about about uh, weather. Um, you know, what are some of the movies? Paul District Nine, like we were talking about the other day, um, Avatar, all those movies. Uh, I guess there was a little they there was some bad news about weather. Maybe a few years ago, there were. Um, um, sexual assault allegations or misogyny or something inside the business, but I mean it's a big deal because it's not money, right? Uh, Unity are probably going to um, they're going to take that product, which has kind of be a set of bespoke tools that we have made over the years, the kind of creme de la creme in the industry. Um, but they're probably going to have to spend about that amount of money again to kind of productize them and make them ready for kind of industrial use before they um, before they kind of release it on the world as part of one of these subscription services. Yeah, it sounds like they've got a they've got a lot in store. They want to make you know even tools just really accessible at a consumer, you know, uh, everyday creator level, so that uh, you know individual folks can can use it for you know YouTube and TikTok type uh, type videos. So you know, really designed to um, to help help them compete and. I, you know, I think um, there's the, the old um, metaverse term, which seems to be getting a lot of attention uh, the past couple of weeks, is uh, is all all in there, and um, and sort of you know right, right rightly so, I suppose, because that's uh, um, kind of the you know the buzzword that surrounds a lot of what's happening and and where where things are going as far as um, you know 3D and um, yeah, immersive, immersive worlds and the the, the future of uh, future of the internet and um, uh, you know I guess a, a bunch of other things that are that are uh, you know connected to the internet. So yeah, it's probably probably something they've been working on for for a while. I'm I'm sure for a, a deal of that sort of uh, that sort of scale, but yeah, pretty. Um, Pretty, pretty huge, and uh, yeah, I guess you know it puts uh, puts monies and in, money into the the pockets of 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 Kiwis, and in, in, in terms of the uh, um, you know the the founders, Richard Taylor, uh, Jamie Selkirk, um, with with the founders, um, nineteen ninety three they started. So you know it's uh, it's been twenty seven years. This is not something that's. Uh, that's come quickly. Uh, that said, they've done very, very well over that, you know, that entire, uh, you know, that entire, you know, period, whether it's through uh, the, the the Lord of the Rings um, work or, or other things that they've, you know, worked on like, uh, you know, Avatar and um, uh, Rise, of the, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, um, even uh, Tintin. Um, which I just w- watched again recently. Tintin, so, uh, yeah, l- lots of wow, stuff. <laughs> I wonder what their first, I'm just trying to look up what their first movie was. Heavenly Creatures, it looks like, was their first one. That one that one set in Christchurch, in the hills of Christchurch. Yeah, okay. I, yeah, I didn't realise it. Um, yeah, and went back all, that far, but you're, front, you're right. Which I believe was set in Littleton, which is also just out of Christchurch, the one with Michael J. Fox in it. Yep. yep. Cool. Yep. Wow. Um, oh, yeah, even there, back to iRobot. I didn't realise that was uh, that was something. Oh, no, I think I probably did, but I think their their involvement might have been a bit smaller maybe right. in iRobot, but I'm not, I'm not yeah. too sure on the... On the details, there's uh, there's 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 actually quite a bit in there when you when you look through the whole um, the whole list. Uh, they've been they've definitely been kept uh, kept pretty busy, and yeah, you know, especially over the you know probably the last uh, um, five ten years, they seem to have had yeah you know, plenty on their uh, on their plate. It's, so, it's, a, it's a big uh, it's a big I, deal, and, and two hundred seventy five engineers is a, is a big uh, is a big company. Absolutely. Uh, so, look, you know, there, there's always sort of uh, two two sides when when these sorts of things happen for Kiwi companies because, in you know, in some regards, we're we're losing the chance to have access to all that uh, all that profit. 
that said, the the deal with Unity is not just you know purely a, a cash deal. A lot of it, uh, or a good good chunk, maybe a bit over a, a third from what I um, saw referenced, is uh, is in, in shares of Unity. So you know if they continue to succeed and and do well, then uh, you know certainly there's there's more of those profits that may uh, may think, may flow I think there back. There's some royalties and, as well on the ongoing sales of whatever of whatever. Um application or service their tools get rolled into as well i believe right so yeah so there's a there's a lot to it and and these things aren't you know i don't think it's something that is just simply sad and i know that's the way some people feel whenever a new zealand um you know entity gets uh, gets gets acquired internationally um you know i don't i don't think of it like that um yeah, you know, I, I definitely you know think there's there's good aspects to it too. Of of course, it's good if these things stay entirely in New Zealand. All the taxes keep coming back to New Zealand, yeah, and it's like those New Zealand uh, investors so on, end but, up reinvesting their money locally normally, or they end up reinvesting some of which will be local. That's true. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so it's uh, there's there's plenty of upside I think in there. So yeah. But uh, yeah, well, well, well done. Um, I'm not sure what the current breakdown of um, of shareholders and, and and so on is. No doubt there'll be there'll be media coverage of uh, of all all these uh, these these sorts of uh, sorts of things. But uh, yeah, just another another great you know Kiwi success story, and we just seem to keep keep hearing about them. These um, you know big uh, big acquisitions and uh, you know long. Long may it continue that Kiwis do well on the on the world stage. Yeah. Kiwis do it wins. Now, um, New Zealand police have got themselves in the in the media on a uh, uh, a, a techie related uh, story. So that this morning uh, there was coverage that police uh, have been working to take over social media accounts and assume the identities. Uh, of people who are accused of of various uh, crimes, and so by assuming the identities of of suspects and uh, defendants through uh, you know taking over those social media accounts and email accounts, um, yeah, that gives them an opportunity to gather all sorts of uh, information from you know people that are, assume them to not be police but to be you know those, those individual people. So. Yeah, you know, it's sort of identity theft in a way, but I guess it's uh, it's generally going to be it's a negotiated identity theft, and you've you've got to imagine uh, you know that uh, those that have been been accused are getting some sort of benefit uh, for handing over their usernames and passwords to to their social media and. Uh, and their their email accounts, and you know maybe they get a chunk of jail time, um, you know, trimmed off for, uh, um, you know, a- allowing police that uh, that access. Yeah, you know, or, or even worse, uh, maybe they don't. Maybe they hand it over and get nothing, and they just they 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 feel like they've been they get tricked into it, or they feel like they've been pressured into it. Um, it's certainly an interesting story. It, it does feel to me a little bit like. Um, Kiwis are maybe a little bit uh, naive about some of those kind of uh, actions, kind of police take in this in this new kind of digital first world. Um, particularly when it seems like the sort of people who the police are going to be offering this deal to, or the sort of people that are going to be using those platforms in the first place that can be taken over, are more likely to be younger people that have kind of grown up in this world and you know don't maybe completely understand the the um the implications or their rights it's an interesting super interesting story paul wow reference in what uh rnz um published uh comment from the uh president of the criminal bar association uh fiona guy kid qc and yeah, she was quite concerned about the police tactic and said it's very often that vulnerable it's vulnerable people who are being asked to sign these basically these waiver documents that allows uh, you know police to go ahead with this. And so what's written on the document uh, that uh, that they're asking people to to, to sign off 
uh, before or alongside handing over their passwords, it says, I consent to the use of my identity and accounts uh, for any purpose relating to an official investigation, Radi Ra, um, you know, g goes on. Um, relinquish all present and future claims to the use of these accounts. So, yeah, it's quite, uh, they're, they're giving some, um, you know, some pretty full control to, uh, to, to police. And, and, and presumably, you Look, know, they're doing this in the full knowledge of Facebook, Twitter, whatever, Instagram, whatever accounts they're taking over. Uh, you've got to assume that um, those businesses, those companies, they know they know full well what's going on and, and are supportive of it. Um, I'm not sure that they would they would want to give the platforms any knowledge because you know the platforms have got their own you know financial purposes and they might just decide that's outside of the terms and that they would shut them down. Uh, so yeah, I would, I would, wouldn't be surprised if they sort of keep it, keep it quiet on that front. And look, this becomes another one of those things where, where there, you know, there's, there's, there's two sides to this, right? Because, you know, we don't want people getting away with murder. We, you know, we want a good sort of safe society and, uh, you know, police being able to have a, um, and, you know, an ability to uh, to investigate crimes has has changed in in recent years and things like you know, listening into phone calls and and getting warrants to look at text messages is is much much less useful these days because you know criminals are, are using other platforms encrypted platforms and social media and all, all, all sorts of things that the police can't necessarily get any any access to so yeah, I think it's 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 kind of hard to 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 know where to come down. I, you know, I think the concept sounds smart to me, and you know, if we we heard about uh, a few months ago the en encrypted uh, messaging service that uh, the Australians were were very very heavily in, involved in, um, you know, special smartphones that were. Uh, sold and, and distributed to criminals uh, around the world, around Europe, and so on. And this that uh, type of thing has happened a couple of times now, where uh, law enforcement have managed to get you know hold of um, you know these or have you know got people using these these technologies, and then have been able to uh, monitor that and, and get some pretty major convictions by the sounds of it you know, capturing uh, murderers and, and um, you know, whatever other manner of criminals that uh, um, that are out there. So, yeah, pretty uh, pretty interesting uh, to, uh, to see this happening in New Zealand and to be revealed. And, you know, there's probably more, more things going on with the police than we sometimes realise. Uh, I remember a little while back we were talking about uh, police using uh, using facial recognition, uh, and there, you know there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of legislation in place for a lot of these things. But uh, but they you know they jump in and uh, and and use these technologies, and we don't always know how well and how appropriately they're uh, they're using them. So uh, it's important that uh, that there's some transparency that we're able to monitor a little bit of what goes on. And um, you know, give it some some attention and and discussion. So, yeah, good good to see that coming through in the media. Now on to autonomous. I'll, I'll call it autonomous stuff. Um, that's probably not the right title, but <laughs> there there you know, continues to be a lot of development going on in in the autonomous vehicle. Uh, front and you know regular listeners will will, will know my uh, my fascination with these topics and uh, my curiosity around what uh, you know Tesla are doing as as probably the you know the most active um, well, one of the most active sort of players that uh, has their technology accessible in the New Zealand uh, market albeit we don't have access to their latest 
um, you know, somewhat autonomous or, or you know, driving assistance technology. Um, but a couple of other interesting stories have come out in the last few days. Um, one about a self-driving farming robot. Now, what I uh, what I liked about this was not only was it ingenious, uh, an ingenious approach. Um, this story's got lasers in it as well. Um, so the the the, um, the company Carbon Robotics is uh, is producing these autonomous weeding robots, and uh, it uses lasers to kill up to a hundred thousand weeds per hour. Um, certainly seems like a, a, a better approach than the usual kind of. Um, you know, chemicals that often get used to uh, go out and, uh, um, you know, kill the, the, the bad, uh, you know, kill the weeds, as it were. Seems pretty good to me anyway. So, um, yeah, kind of uh, kind of curious. Nathan, have you got any, uh, any thoughts on a sort of autonomous laser-wielding uh, robot and having them wandering around our farms or, uh, or whether that's going to... Uh, going to kill off too many uh, jobs as well as killing the weed. <laughs> well, when you said lasers, I thought you might have been talking about LIDAR as a way to actually do the um, the autonomous driving instead of using cameras like Tesla does. But uh, True. Well, maybe they do that too. But I do remember, I do because it seems like uh, LIDAR might be, a, um, you know, might be a better, it might end up being a better technology than the way Tesla does it, but... Um, I do remember also lasers. There was that. Um, there was uh, they were proposing to use lasers to to kill mosquitoes uh, as part of a um, to stop malaria. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, those are those are great. You know that the self the robots for doing those things. It's a super 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 useful scenario for for AI and for robots uh, for automating those. Um, those real kind of like dumbed down tasks, but dumbed down tasks that still need a little bit of intelligence, um, but super repetitive. Um, that's where all the value is. Def definitely. And look, we have that challenge here in New Zealand as, as in other parts of the world in terms of access to, to people at the moment. Obviously, there's supply chain issues as 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 well. Um, so you know, I don't know if people will be able to get their hands on uh, on this this tech uh, super super quickly. But uh, yeah, there's 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 a lot of a lot of challenges. We need to get more efficient in terms of what we uh, how you know how we grow food and so on. So this seems to uh, seems to play into that. And look, if we can get rid of having to, um, or we can reduce the amount of chemicals that. Uh, they get used in uh, the agricultural field, then you know I'd be pretty, uh, you know, pretty pleased to see see that happening. Um, unless there's there's something here under the covers we don't don't know about. It sounds uh, sounds pretty encouraging. Um, the the other uh, the the other one on um, from that laser front actually is Tesla. I think put in a patent for using lasers as. Uh, uh, for for the the task of the windscreen wiper, um, not something we've seen actually land on uh, on any vehicles yet, but uh, it it sounds like an interesting uh, approach for uh, for you know cleaning cleaning your windshield. Uh, I guess you can uh, you get get rid of the uh, uh, the rain or snow uh, or ice on the, on a windshield probably pretty well with lasers. Uh, and maybe even if um, you know some bugs get squished onto your your windshield, you could uh, you could laser those off. So um, I think that will be uh, be fascinating to see whether whether that's something that we actually ever really see, or uh, or whether it just tend, it ends up being one of these one of these patents that uh, that maybe gives Tesla a bit of uh, you know a bit of extra media attention, of, uh, yeah, which they, of, they seem to get their fair share of. A bit of marketing kudos, as uh, as you say, as they're so great at. Yeah, um, but the the other company that's been in the in the in the news uh, last few last few days uh, is Too Simple T U Simple, 
and we've talked about their uh, their vehicles in the past. I've I've seen them in the US. Uh, they are a self-driving uh, truck startup, and they uh, they are moving along uh, at a, at quite a pace by the the sounds of it. Um, I don't, uh, you know, you only get so much in in these different uh, reports, um, but apparently they're. Look, they've been they've been testing their sort of semi-autonomous or, or self-driving uh, trucks for for a number of years. They do use the lidar uh, technology you mentioned, uh, Nathan, um, but they've had a human uh, safety you know operator, I suppose, in their trucks, um, you know, for 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 the duration to to date. Um, but they're going to go ahead and proceed. Um, with what they're calling uh, their driver out pilot program, uh, which would actually remove the driver um, for for chunks like you know over a hundred kilometer chunks of uh, of driving um, in um, uh, in Ar- Ar- Arizona um, between Phoenix and and uh, and and Tucson um, areas. And um, yeah, I've been been on some of those uh, some of those roads here in uh, in Arizona, and uh, you know, boy, it, it gets hot. So they might uh, they might save a bit of uh, um, uh, a bit of energy on on having to put all that uh, air conditioning into uh, to keep the driver uh, so cool because it <laughs> gets pretty crazy there certainly um, in uh, in summer. So that might be another another uh, another little bonus, but. Uh, yeah, if you, I mean, if they can do these sorts of runs, and you know, we know it's been coming for a long time, um, but if they can, they can do that, you know, very soon. And they're talking about it, you know, potentially before the end of the year. Uh, that is, you know, it's it's really pretty huge seeing seeing things move to that uh, point where you know something as big as a a truck and a, a expensive to uh, to operate can be considered. Uh, safe on the road doing it doing its own thing but uh, you know the motorways the freeways seem to be the the safest place uh, for autonomous driving because the lanes are marked so clearly um, you know there, there aren't all the turns and, and complexities and I mean we already have that that type of sort of semi-autonomous uh, on New Zealand roads and you know with a, with a degree from you know from from a number of um, you know manufacturers and and you know certainly with uh, you know with with, with Tesla um, with their kind of on-ramp to off-ramp type um, you know driving so it's uh, it doesn't seem too far-fetched that um, that too simple are, are going to make a you know be able to make that leap uh, fairly soon. Yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll probably it'll be interesting to see what they what ends up happening to them, whether they whether they get acquired, you know, whether they whether they um, you know what, what they actually end up uh, because presumably they're fitting their technology into these vehicles rather than selling the vehicles, right? They're not they're not manufacturing these big rigs, right? So uh, it'll be interesting to kind of see what um, what what happens there. Um, you know, and presumably, like you said about the freeways being the kind of you know the best use case because it is that you know monotonous, relatively simple driving. Um, that's probably re- the reason why they did it um, between Tucson and uh, Phoenix. Is it's it's um, big, wide open spaces, big straight open spaces as well. No, no, no kind of crazy twists and turns. No big crazy mountains and stuff. So. Um, Interesting. Um, interesting. Yeah, and and we you know we, we we're seeing this sort of move to uh, electric and uh, and trucks as well. Um, we've got Enride and I've um, uh, or Einride. I'm not quite sure how, um, how you how you pronounce it. Um, out of uh, out of Sweden, um, their freight technology company over there, and they've had these um, autonomous. Uh, um, Sort of truck pods that they've been uh, they've been doing. So that, you know, there's been quite a bit of act- activity. Um, but uh, yeah, from the the bits I've seen reported on, anyway, mostly uh, uh, you know US or uh, or on sort of European Scandinavian uh, sort of side of things. 
but eventually, uh, if these things you know work out and and they're proven safe in those those markets, then we would uh, you know we would expect to ultimately see the the, the technology here, and uh, yeah, or, or already um, you know certain roads in in New Zealand handle this, this um, you know earlier iterations of uh, of this type of technology. So you know, I think it very much is. Um, it's a matter of sort of um, that it will happen, but uh, but how long and what sort of roads are these things going to be able to uh, going to be able to drive on? Um, pretty pretty exciting. It is, it is very um, exciting. Very yeah. And I mean, it's another area where we where we generally have a shortage of of labour these days. Um, I mean, it does account for a lot, like millions of jobs in the US. Uh, and a lot of jobs in the New Zealand uh, markets and, and other countries. Uh, but it is the sort of, you know, thing where, where those roles will uh, will change. And, um, you know, we're, we're going to have to change sort of society with it. But they are also already areas where um, there there is often been a, a shortage of, uh, you know, of drivers. And that leads to you know even more uh, safety risks when you've got uh, folks driving sort of longer hours than they than they should be under pressure from their their companies to uh, to to get things delivered. So right. and, and yeah, getting the, you know, we, getting this technology working right and you know, working well and in, in, in production as it were, um, you know that's then going to enable a new wave of innovation with the cars and taxis and. Uh, and then, and then even more change when it comes to things like car parking and the way that our cities are designed and and all that exciting stuff. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be pretty huge. Uh, you know, it would be it would be very cool to be able to uh, you know if time travel were the sort of thing you could uh, you could do and uh, and have a little bit of a look at where where things have landed on these fronts. Uh, you know, and 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 a few few years ahead. Uh, you know, certainly, if we we look twenty years out, you've got to imagine a a very very different picture from uh, transportation and and uh, um, you know travel and mo- mobility perspective. Uh, just but just exactly you know when these things will uh, will flip over. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 very challenging to tell. So. We will we will keep waiting and uh, and keep watching. Now on the um, on the Microsoft front, uh, Nathan, a uh, company you once worked for, um, the Surface Laptop SE has landed uh, or been been announced today with Windows Eleven SE. Uh, we're used to the the Surface products being really the, the premium end of the market. You know, um, you know Microsoft brought them. Brought them into the market to to stir things up a bit, to maybe uh, you know teach some of the uh, the other you know uh, hardware vendors what uh, you know what could be done with a with a bit of fresh thinking and uh, the certainly the Surface Surface Pro. We talked about the Surface Pro Eight uh, on the po- on the podcast the other day. Um, you know that 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 Surface um, you know two in one sort of product design. You know, really has stirred up the market, and 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 everybody sort of jumped in with this two-in-one uh, type of form factor. Um, but one area where Microsoft seemed to be getting um, hosed has been um, the the low-end laptops, where you know Chromebooks have have been doing very well, and um, you know certainly certainly education um, areas. And I mean, they're just they're just so common in education. Uh, so with this new uh, Surface Laptop SE, two hundred and fifty dollar US price point. So you know, you can imagine that potentially coming into the New Zealand market um, between I don't know, five or six hundred New Zealand dollars by the time you you put uh, you know, GST uh, in there. Um, I wouldn't imagine we'd see much under under five hundred. Uh, but uh, I guess it's possible, uh, which is you're talking around the, the same price as uh, as an iPad. Um, reasonably low low end device, so it's quite different for um, for the Surface product to be uh, you know be, be coming in with a more more of a 
or a really budget product because their previous cheapest one was the Surface uh, Laptop Go, 549 uh, US dollars. What's your your take on this? Do you think it's it's too late for Microsoft, or you know, is it going to work? Because it's sort of an ecosystem play, right? Right, right, um, right. So it's not really. Uh, I guess it's not. It's not just about the hardware. It's not just the. Um, it's not just Surface and education. I guess it's more Windows and the Microsoft stack in education. And uh, and I, I, I yeah, I worked there for twenty years and on. And I worked on Windows and Surface. And I, I guess this is. Um, I mean, they talk about in the news today uh, as a Chromebook compete. Uh, I think that's certainly part of it. You know, part of it is the price point, as you mentioned, Paul. Um, part of it is the quality and the thought that's gone into the design. You know. Um, I've not seen one of these devices, but, you know, typically when you buy a, a pretty low-end device, it's not, um, you know, they tend to be uh, chunkier and stuff. And, and from what I see, you know, this, uh, it's still, it's a, it's a cheap device or a high-value device, Paul, but, um, you know, it, it's, not, it's not a metal construction case like we see on the normal surfaces. It's kind of a plasticky case, but it, it still looks like it's very, very nice and slick and nicely, nicely designed. You know, and the other part of the the other part of it as well is not so much um, the hardware, but the um, the management, the rollout of apps, the control, um, the choice between the choice between schools rolling out these devices on mass and issuing them um, versus them being a BYOD device that um, that parents and caregivers can walk into a Harvey Norman's and buy uh, and buy for their kids over Christmas when they go back next year. Um, uh, yeah, and I also think part of it is, um, you know, this will this is kind of launching a new skew of Windows 11, the SE version, the the kind of uh, the 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 education version with some extra management tools. Um, and as you said, Paul, before about the ecosystem player, I think this is also kind of echoing to the other Windows third party OEMs that exist, the 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 Aces, the Asuses of the world that that sell these relatively low-cost laptops into the market at mass um, to get their, you know, new versions of their laptop hardware ready for Windows 11 SE as well. The usual, uh, you know, targets and, you know, the HP and Lenovo in there as, as well, uh, if I remember correctly from, you know, from the list. So, yeah, a lot of the usual uh, usual players are going to be releasing these uh these uh, Windows 11 SE uh, laptops, and look, if if they're uh, reasonably well built, which is what I would I would expect from Microsoft, um, you know, because they've started with good high, well, mostly good high end equipment, and certainly in terms of the hardware build, um, and you know, I've I've talked before about my feelings with some of the reliability issues. You know, we, we we've we've seen with Surface. We're we're hoping that those things are, um, you know, are going to be behind Microsoft, and that uh, you know this equipment's going to be really really uh, you know um, robust in terms of uh, you know just overall reliability. But uh, you know, in terms of a, a reasonably uh, you know quality uh, quality. Uh, equipment uh and and feel and robustness in your hands um yeah i, I would i would expect despite the price that uh, microsoft will have done a, a pretty uh pretty good job on that and uh having it having um you know both windows and surface now um under um the management of uh panos uh panos panay is that how you pronounce it yeah uh, panos panay yeah Panos, yeah, um, you know he he is a, a real sort of stickler for detail, um, and uh, you know the the sort of person I I imagine that uh, you know would uh, would would have very high expectations of uh, you know of what they they put out on uh, on his watch. So yeah, I'm really interested to see how it lands. Um, they refer to it as uh, being targeted at K8 education. Uh, which before we started, you um, you sort of schooled me on um, <laughs> bit a bit of uh, bit of education for me there. Um, K eight um, was it ages eight to sort of twelve is what K eight sort of typically refers to, yeah. or, or eight upwards or something. Eight, eight, yeah, K eight to twelve is this is where it seems to be um, targeted at. So, so which I guess mm. that translates to. Uh, 
what New Zealand uh, primary and intermediate, right? Yep, yep. Uh, that's uh, yeah. That, that's that's going to be really interesting, and I think. Yeah, as usual, it's good to have competition. I like that this uh, this ties up with Microsoft's, uh, you know, management uh, management capabilities uh, with their sort of suite in tune and and so on. Um, and this is the sort of stuff that uh, you know that, that schools get a lot of uh, a lot of you know they get a lot of access to Microsoft things for uh, you know for free or or for you know low cost. Uh, and for schools to be able to have a you know a level of control, so you know the um, yep. the laptop SE and, and Windows eleven SE, uh, the way I'm reading it, uh, you know you won't have or the kids won't have access to a you know a direct access to third party apps through uh, through the Microsoft Store. That's going to be entirely managed uh, by by the school. So uh, yeah, there's some there's some you know, probably some yeah. some safety aspects there. Yeah, that's that's um, um, that's kind of the way that the Windows Ten Education version worked as well. Um, um, and so you can, they can, they can still run their you know their Win thirty two apps, their Zooms and their Chromes and stuff. Um, that all that all runs. You know, one thing I found right. interesting about the way they've got the cost down is um, they're using the Celeron processors, but it's a new Celeron. It's 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 pretty fast. And they're using the eMMC e storage instead of SSD. Uh, and I like the fact that it's got both a USB-C and a USB-A uh, jack on the on the device. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, are they? Um, I don't know. Um, I don't know whether they're using the normal, the, the traditional Surface Connect uh, power. I can't quite see from the photos online. I would be guessing that they would... Uh, be using the traditional Surface Connect power, uh, uh, you know, as as well as having USB C and A. But um, I can't quite see that from the photos. But I'd be very surprised if they're not using Surface Connect power as well. Um, uh, uh, for the Surface connector, I you know could see that the, the headphone uh, you know headphone jack, um, USB C, USB A. Did look as though maybe there was um, there was another sort of power uh, connector, but uh, yeah, because we'll, you're right. We'll... I mean, you'd think that uh, you'd think it would be cheaper to have USB-C than a Surface Connect. A Surface Connect. Um, I've got a I've got I've got a Surface Go, and that charges over either USB-C or the Surface Connect power power cord. So, uh, so who knows? Yeah. Oh well, we'll we'll see see how that goes. But uh, good to see them, you know, stirring stirring things up uh, in the in the market a little bit. And yeah, long long may competition continue. Right, yeah, more choices, more better. Well, it, it, yeah, it can be. So, sometimes, as we know, different different vendors, uh, Microsoft included, will have a will have a go at something, and it will fall flat on its face uh, and doesn't work. Um, I'm yeah. I, I guess they're doing this because they haven't achieved the the, the level of uh, market share, um, you know, that they've wanted. They've you know they've certainly lo lost ground uh, to the to the Chromebooks. So yeah, it's um, it's a smart move to to you know, come in with you know what looks like a, a a reasonable product for that sort of price point. And you really do to you know to serve the, the the school market. You do need lower prices. I guess what the the only sort of big thing that is sitting in in my mind is for what this is likely to be able to do. Um, why did it need to be Celeron? Could they have not done it with you know with with ARM? Is that technology just sort of not mature enough, or were they going to, or did they get such a good price, uh, you know, with Intel on the uh, the Celeron uh, chips that that's that's what's enabled them to get to this price point, um, you know, com compared to using an ARM-based chip? But uh, yeah, these are the sorts of things I guess we will we will see evolve, and I'm sure it's something that they they thought a lot more carefully about it than I have. So uh, we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, I think the um, yeah the chip thing. Um, I don't have any inside information, but my guess is be, would be um, they've made the call to have better compatibility, you know, to allow the kids to plug in a USB microscope 
and run some, you know, and run some bit of, uh, you know, Win32 software in a, in a science class or something. But, I mean, but you're right. Yeah, long term, um, you'd think that the arm is, is, you know, better for your battery life, better for security. Um, um, but, yeah, I mean, Intel's... Uh, I, I've heard that that, in, that new Intel Celeron chip uh, d- does perform pretty well um, as well. I see they claim 16 hours battery. I'd be surprised it gets 16 hours, but... Yeah, they were talking about that as being the real-world battery life, um, but then somewhere else it sort of said all-day battery life. So, um, yeah, but it, it, it certainly looks pretty encouraging. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, that's uh, that's it from us this week. Um, for for those that are on Twitter, uh, Twitter Blue, which has been uh, been talked about for a while, finally uh, finally arriving uh, in New Zealand, uh, just under five five dollars a month. If you uh, if you're a you know a regular Twitter user, uh, then uh, that might might be something that you want to uh, want to have a look at. Uh, with some of their news subscription type stuff built into it, so you get sent a link and you click on it. It's like, oh, I don't have a subscription for that uh, news service and I can't get in. Um, some of those things are covered. A few other um, features in there, like the undo uh, undo tweet. So uh, basically, I think it delays your tweet going out by thirty seconds, and uh, that gives you a little bit of time to change your mind if you if you wish before it publishes. Uh, so yeah, it might be worth a look for some uh, some folks in New Zealand. Uh, one of the few places that's got access to uh, to that subscription at the moment. Uh, and the other thing I should mention is quite often on a Tuesday, uh, if you'd like to chat, then um, we have a, uh, a room on uh, on Clubhouse. Search for me or search for the NZ Club. Um, we quite often talk tech on a Tuesday uh, on the Clubhouse uh, social audio platform. So, uh, yeah, great uh if you want to come and uh you know come and contribute or or listen in there um well that's us for uh that's us for this uh episode so uh yeah thanks everybody for listening in uh you can of course find us online at nztechpodcast.com uh and across uh social media nathan anything else you wanted to uh add as we uh, as we finish up this episode go black caps in the morning in the cricket there we go we will look out for a good result uh, now that uh, now that you put your uh, your stamp of encouragement uh, there on the on the black caps, Nathan. Cheers. <laughs> good night, Paul. All right, catch you next time. Thanks. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.